Hi everyone. This isn't a new episode as such. This is a new version of an older episode that we've actually taken down um, because there is a section in this where we talk about the video game Beyond Two Souls, which stars the actor Elliot Page, except that when we first recorded this episode, it was before he announced his transition. So for obvious reasons, we just thought it would be best to just scrub that bit entirely. Um, and it kind of sucks that it's actually taken us till now to realize it once we kind of remembered that we'd done sort of an episode about Elliot Page. We were like, oh shit, and we've, um, you know, remedied that now. Um, so maybe there's a bit of a lesson learned in there um, for us to remember what we actually talk about. <laughs> um, so yeah, Beyond Two Souls, though, uh, we're not going to talk about that game. I'll tell you now, it's a bad game, not a good game. Don't play it. Uh, it is bad in the same ways as the other David Cage games that we talk about. Uh, the thing that probably made this one a bit more special uh, was the the presence of a Hollywood actor and how that didn't really manage to do anything to solve the core problems in the writing and the themes and all the other crap stuff that's in David Cage games. And it also made Eliza really motion sick, um, which is unfortunate. Anyways, I've babbled. I've spoken. Take care of yourselves. Here we go. I want to break free. I want to break free. Ooh, the teeth and the tongue and the, the lips, they're all here. Warming up. They're all equally useless. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> warming up my voice because it's we haven't recorded an episode of the podcast since february george F february what year what year is it <laughs> the year is 2056 yeah. the planet has been ravaged by yeah. the coronavirus oh what two what's that no two noble podcasters <laughs> remain to yeah. try and record all of the most mediocre works in human history i would say one noble podcaster and his <laughs> buffoonish wife <laughs> Oh, <laughs> is buffoonish a cancelled word yet? Is buffoon a cancelled word? I don't think buffoons can. I feel like I feel like talking about being cancelled is cancelled. Um, so we, what happened was we played a bunch of David Cage games. We played all of David Cage's games, and we were we got halfway through recording an episode about these David Cage games, which we had recorded, and then we probably got the coronavirus. <laughs> And then, um, not too long after we probably had the coronavirus, my grandfather died, and then and then we just hadn't done a fucking episode of the podcast in like three months, and it was just a very different world, and we just had half an episode of this David Cage thing, which we can't we can't go back to now. I can't remember any of my witty takes about Detroit it's, become human. It's not it's not gonna make much sense as going back to the before time. We can't go back. There's no, there's no before time anymore. Yeah. So there's, there's genuinely, there's half an episode of this podcast which takes place in the before time, yeah. which stopped immediately before I, the after time. I think, I think we stopped early because I went to a gig or something. Yeah, it was something like that. Because you remember those, there were gigs. It was like this sort of events where there'd be a bunch of people gathered. And <laughs> what is Jaish? There, there'd be some kind of live performance. What is Jaish? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mad, isn't it? Mad yeah. that it's happening. Mad. Um, it's really happening. Yeah. What's your name, by the way? Because I don't think you oh, said your name. Um, it's Eliza. Good. And you're, you're the host, I'm, I'm told. I'm, I'm the Eliza host, Eliza. <laughs> and you're the George host, George. I'm, I'm, I'm the George host, George, yeah. 
And what podcast is this? This is You Just Don't Get It, Do You? It's a podcast <laughs> about squandered potential in media. Um, and like a lot of you, in lockdown, we have... We're kind of coming out of lockdown now. And arguably, like, when we were in lockdown would have been a good point to start producing loads of podcasts and, like, potentially boost our listenership because people were kind of running out of content. But we fucked that up. We fucked that yeah, up. We, we've had we fucked it. Ups and downs of our productivity, kind of like everyone has. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could. It would have been a good. My book is out next week, as of recording it. It's out today, what? this week. You've got a book out next it's, week. It's out, tell tell us about that. It's out a week today. And if I was half the Twitterer that I was, podcaster, I would have been like using this as a format to plug my book. But then that being said, we've only got like the only people that listen to this are like. They, they probably already read already the book by now. It or read <laughs> they probably it, yeah. received it. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I, I'm gonna listen to it because I have to listen to the audio book, which is coming yeah. out on Audible. Yeah, that's why I was soon. doing my. my uh-huh. That was why I was doing my vocal warm ups. I was um, Audible mm, taught me the art of taught me the art of recording an audio book. I record the whole thing in this voice. Mm, hello and welcome. This is an Audible production. <laughs> audible.com I wish that it'd be good if they sponsored us it really sucks that they thought your accents were good because (laughs) your accents are not good so but the lady said that they were good the lady that yeah, directed well, the I'm sure she's got plenty good. of issues in her personal life which led her to that decision let's <laughs> shun that yeah well, you know, you know, met her. She I've not, I've not nice. met her and she seemed like a great professional she but, uh, nice. she was very professional but not she's, like you <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> anyway so we watched loads of shit in lockdown so what we're basically going to do is just take you on a whistle stop tour of all the shit that we consumed in lockdown that was a bit meh and uh, we're going to spend no more than three minutes talking about each individual thing we're going to time it we're against the clock it's like a it's like a heist but our ideas and we're getting them out we've got only so little time and you know what you son of a bitch i'm in (laughs) um yeah i think uh just before we get going i think i'd like to dedicate this podcast i think i'd like to dedicate this podcast to my dad grandfather uh well now i can't make a joke because i don't want to seem like i'm being flippant about your dead grandfather <laughs> let's get on with this show no okay, are <laughs> no, you gonna, no, 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 no it's done it's done let's go let's go <laughs> okay right what we're talking about first george yes that's what we're here for right you've got the list uh, of the things that we've no, watched no i left it over there <laughs> hang on fucking hell we're we're an amateur podcast. We are an amateur so podcast. So we make amateurish mistakes. Go on, f- f- tell them a funny anecdote about your book, which is out next week on Influx Press and Audible. And in all respectable bookshops. And if you're in the US, you can probably get it. Um, I've also got it tattooed to me, so if you... Yeah, George has got the whole text. <laughs> George has all um, 80,750-odd words tattooed down his back. Okay, the podcast. I've got the list. Okay, so not all of the things that we watched were new. I mean, granted, like not a lot news coming yeah. out, but this was just really a hodgepodge of stuff just yeah. all over. Just a quick note as well. Even though it's nine o'clock at night, you might be able to hear our bastard neighbors, bastard fucking kids outside on that bastard fucking trampoline. Um, because uh, they're just left to run, run wild in lockdown. They've just been let to run wild all over the two back gardens that they occupy. Um, and if you can hear them, it's because uh, it's because our parents yeah. don't love them enough and just let them run around. Oh gosh, yeah, our neighbors, uh, they've they've taken to the lockdown 
um to to varying degrees of um <laughs> of, of effectiveness of sanity yeah. i don't know some of them have cracked um haven't we all um but yeah the kids that are allowed to be on the trampoline from i shit you not 10 in the morning till 10 at night screaming in the paddling pool i mean god sometimes they'll scream and i'll scream back <laughs> and then They'll scream back to me and I'm like head- hiding in my living room and they can't hear me screaming going, ah, and they go, ah, yeah, and I so go, ah. They're like proper fucking little middle class kids as well. So you can hear them being like, Philip, is somebody screaming back? And like, I don't know, Lucy, I don't know. Yeah, it's me. I'm the strange guy screaming back. <laughs> Philip, I know your names. You don't know mine. I watch you. You don't watch me. <laughs> we know what you look like. We know where you live. We know what your names are. We know approximately how old you are. <laughs> But they've never seen us before. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking weird when you put it like that, isn't it? But then at the same time, if they don't want strangers to know about them, they should shut the fuck up, shouldn't yeah. they? There's definitely a timeline where we're listening to this being played back to us in court after something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> we're both looking at each other on the dock like, oh, fuck, we shouldn't have said that on now, the microphone. Now, did you say it's those bastard fucking kids... <laughs> On that bastard fucking trampoline, Miss Clark. Yes, yes, I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'll say, well, listen, how, just just how about you? You have it happen to you, the trampoline. I'm gonna go out there at three in the morning with a Stanley knife, and I'm gonna take apart that trampoline. It will tramp no more. Now, Mr. Royal, did you say? And I quote, <laughs> "I'm going to go out there at three a.m. with a Stanley knife." And okay. Um. Anyway, list of stuff that we're doing. Do you want to do films first? Let's do films first. And like I say, we uh, have not been entirely current. So let's start with the great bastion yeah. of squander potential, yes. which is uh, torture porn horror films, uh, notably Hostel Part One and Hostel Part Two. Yeah. Do you want to get the timer going? Yes. I will just clarify. We're only covering the stuff that was squandered potential, not the stuff that was out and out bad, nor the stuff that was very good that we watched. But anyway, I'm getting the time I started right. So I talked about Hostel Part One and Hostel Part Two. Not Hostel Part Three because we didn't uh, see it. Um. Yeah. So time has started. So. They're the same film, basically, aren't they? One has lasses in it. One has lasses in one it. One has more lasses in one it. One has more lasses in it. But the second one also has this like weird fucking Transformers Michael Bay filter over the whole thing. So it's like, <laughs> it, it just looks weird. To the point that George was like, something's wrong with this download. Legal, completely legal download. That we've got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the- <laughs> we do pay for a lot of stuff. We do pay for a lot of stuff. Hostel Part paying, 2 was not something that made the I'm not going to line Eloth, Ro- <laughs> El- Eloth? Eloth? Eli Roth's pockets. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and he was like, there's something wrong with this film. There's something wrong with the download. And I was like, I think it just looks like this. I think this is just the era of films that it came out. And and you know who was right? It was me. It was me. The film just looks like shit. Looks bad. It looks really bad. So the first one is like the go to... The both films are quite sort of racist to Eastern Europeans. I don't know if you can necessarily be racist to Eastern Europeans, no, I don't think you can. I'm, I'm waiting for you yeah, to dig yourself out. But anyway, whatever. It's <laughs> but I know pre- what you mean. It's, yeah. it's, it's xenophobic. It's xenophobic. It's yeah, the that's fear what, that's of the I foreigner. Mean, I, I. It's all that stuff. Um, yeah. The go- to be honest, it's not even really that gory, is it? No. For for, for what was being touted and got a lot of media buzz for being torture porn, for being you know, oh, as if people can sit through such outlandish violence, and like, 
Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's a lot of cutting child's away. Play. It's a lot of suggested well, stuff. Apparently, Eli Roth based the structure of the first film and by an extension, the second film because they're the same film on um, audition. So, like, like basically an hour and twenty minutes of like build up, and then ten minutes of ultra violence, and mm. then that's it. And even then, in the first film, certainly there's not really that much. There's a little bit more in the second film. There's a cool hanging upside down death. Yeah, I preferred the second one. I, also, I think the second one's got a bit more to it. I'd rewatch the second one. If you listen to our Fuckboy Directors episode, we'll talk about the actress Bijou Phillips bullying people on set, and she bullied somebody on Hostel 2. So we've covered two films where the same actress bullies someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so what didn't work about it for you? And what did work? Uh, what didn't work? Uh, they were just a bit shit, weren't they? They were just a bit naff. I don't uh, think they're like horror enough. I think the build-up is very laborious. It's not build-up in like a like an audition where it's like, oh, there's a vibe that's building. The character dynamics are kind yeah. of you. You feel this kind of sense of dread building up. Whereas in Hostel, you're just sort of waiting for it to get going. Yeah, special effects were cool though. Some of them. Yeah, yeah. There's stuff like where he gets like his hand like all garbled and he gets his like fingers cut off yeah. and the woman's eye and stuff. Yeah. There's not enough of the special effects. No. I wanted it to be more I wanted it to violent. be more, more violent, yeah. More blood, more, <laughs> yeah. more, more blood, more tits, yeah. more blood, more tits. And then that is us just about to run out of time. Um in fact I'll just stop it there so we don't have to hear the um the annoying beep. If if you hear the annoying beep, it's because we haven't been on it enough, right? What's next? Next, we have uh, one of the last films that had uh, um, a big release, a worldwide release just before the lockdown mm-hmm. hit, uh, The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man. Okay. Um, I remember thinking, like, this is fine. This is good. Yeah, yeah, and then it fine, just sort of trailed it? off, didn't it? Yeah, it's Some it's people right. really like it, but I don't really. I think I liked vibe it more than it. you. I think it got too. Da- I don't mind stuff that's daft. I don't mind stuff that goes, like, kind of like silly to the point where you can kind of like laugh at it but i think it really lost me in like its final sequence and it tried to like twist around too much i also think ironically for a film called the invisible man i think you see the antagonist <laughs> like far too much yeah and although i kind of liked the sort of modern sci-fi kind of style of like the way that he was invisible and that until he wasn't invisible um i just think that it wasn't that good the early bits though where before he's revealed and you see stuff like move slightly like unlike hostile the sense of dread that builds up in the first half of the film is really exciting and i really like the kind of the yeah uh, it know. it begins as a metaphor for domestic abuse and ends as a silly film about an invisibility suit doesn't yeah. it um and it's like it's good when it's a when it's a film about sort of being gaslighted and the kind of creeping um sort of weirdness of like long trauma and and the general sort of oppressive atmosphere of abusive relationships it is quite a good film but then the second that it's just sort of like oh we're all wearing invisibility suits he invented an invisibility suit and now nobody can see him yeah the the opening to the film where elizabeth moss who's 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 really good in it and she's really good in everything although she is also a scientologist so she also like really sucks uh, it must be said um, like uh, it, it opens and it's her escaping this uh, it's abusive household and this abusive partner and it it makes it seem very important the kind of the abuse side to the storyline mm. um but then as soon as it gets into the sci-fi, like, how is he actually doing this? It's then, like you say, more about the, oh, the kind of the complexities of being invisible yeah. and all that, rather than kind of like, 
How is she affected? Yeah. How is she developing? How does one recover from such trauma? Yeah, it made it very blockbustery, and it was that stuff I think was kind of clearly aimed at the cinema sins audience of um, how would he stay invisible for so long? What made him invisible? Ding. Um, mm. Yeah, I would say I think I bet maybe the invisibility suit's just a hangover from the weird fucking dark universe stuff because we've got to remember that the Invisible Man was originally going to be part of Universal's dark universe, starring Johnny Depp. <laughs> which wouldn't that have been a huge misstep? Wouldn't that have been an absolute fucking yeah. clip? It it does feel like they had an idea for an Invisible Man film, and then they thought, well, what if we made it about a woman who was fleeing about this, this was a redraft this was it was like yeah. the fourth or fifth draft or something of the film mm. oh and it's okay okay so next up uh the man the legend um certainly america's grating living act greatest living actor maybe grating the, living actor grating he is a bit grating but he's also the greatest it is nick cage and we've got a triple cage triple cage um we have next drive angry and eight millimeter so I think we just sort of watched 8mm. You suggested it because we were talking about stuff that sort of features like snuff and like... It's from the kind of the, the late 90s sort of the uh, the post-7 filmscape. Yeah, I think it was it was written by the same guy as 7 who wrote 7 and we... Or 7 and... Yeah. Um, and we were sort of saying that... Well, I was saying that there was this sort of period of like thrillers in the 90s where it was just like using a crime thriller as an excuse to sort of explore and include really extreme material without having to actually include the extreme material. And some interesting like bending over backwards. See, because now I think like like a mainstream film just wouldn't touch the subject. But this is from this like brief period where they would touch the subject, but they would bend over backwards to make the characters like okay with it. Mm. Like they would try and make it seem like, oh, well, these are really bad guys, and you're rooting for the good guy. But it's a really gnarly situation that you can get kind of a bit voyeuristic about. Yeah, you know what I mean. So Eight Millimeter is like almost a good film. It's like nearly. It's got like a really young Joaquin Phoenix in it, and if it had. I don't know. I think it seems like it's it's got like a big studio interference energy. It seemed like it was supposed to be a lot more homoerotic and a lot more like heavy and a lot more BDSM y. Yeah. But it's ultimately got kind of a Joel Schumacher gloss on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, a dumb thing to say, but if Gaspar Noah had done this, then. Yeah, it or if the, even if the studio had let Joel Schumacher lean more into the homoeroticism. Yeah, it's got a bit of a no homo vibe. It does to have it. a big no homo vibe to it. I would yeah. say a huge no homo vibe. But it is. It was. It was an interesting watch. Yeah. It is ultimately kind of a failure. And I think if you wanted to watch something like that, you'd probably have more fun with like Unfriended the Dark Web. Yeah, I'd, I'd like if there was more films yeah. about snuff films. I think it's like a really interesting, like gross, gnarly thing. And yeah, there yeah. are films about snuff films and etc. But it's definitely going to be like the last. The last pre-internet film about snuff films. Yes. And then so. shortly after that, we tried to watch Fear.com, and that was fucking awful, wasn't it? Just a bit it? too bad. That was bad. No squander potential there. Um, but I do love Web 1.0 stuff. Web 1.0 horror, yeah. yeah. We watched um, uh, Cure. Or is it Pulse, sorry? No, it's Pulse. Um, Pulse, yeah. yeah. We watched Pulse not too long ago, and that's an interesting Web 1.0 horror, as mm. is um, Suicide Club. Yeah. All much better films about strange sort of videos and cursed things yeah, then, um, yeah i love a cursed video film anyway that's i'm um, probably us done with eight millimeter do you want to talk about um uh next 
Next, we'll talk about next. Next. Yeah, eight mil- of the three Nick Cage films we saw, 8mm had the most interesting stuff to talk about. Next is Nick Cage. It's basically like a Philip K. Dick short story. He can see something like two minutes into the future. But and- can he see two minutes into the future? Or can he, like, does he just teleport between um, alternate universes in which he has done yeah. different things in each universe? If this had been released after Rick and Morty, I think it would have, like, said one way or the other <laughs> but yeah it's not really clear if he's just like kind of moving across timelines yeah, or whatever it seems like he's a, like or like he's a time traveler or something rather than he can yeah. see f- two minutes into the future it's like he's going two minutes into the future yeah, and then sort- going back or he can travel two minutes back in time yeah. anyway it, jessica alba what the fuck was that about that whole really just her entire career yeah, just, or just... no well i mean yeah that a little too, bit yeah. to be honest she's um, in a few big films like around then like she was in what sin city yeah she was like I've, I've been thinking a lot about just because we have been watching a lot of films all over the place in terms of like era and stuff how occasionally you'll watch a film and you'll be like oh she looks familiar and then you'll look at our imdb page and it'll be like oh yeah she was in like four huge films every year from like 81 to 85 and then she's just never in anything again she's like one of those leading ladies i think uh and uh well she didn't she didn't really give me the uh, uh, sensation in next though none none of next does next does have one of nick cage's craziest haircuts yes there's a bit where um jessica alba is talking to some mexican children and they're like you like him you look like you look at him he looks at you the way my brother looks at his girlfriend and then it cuts to nick cage and he's going like huh like that that's the way i would describe that face he's just sort of like grinning ape-like in the distance mm. it's got a terrible twist this film it's got one of the worst twists it's got, i've like, seen in a while because the twist happens like halfway through but you don't know it's happened until the end yeah so we can only see two minutes into the future and unless he has like some kind of bond with someone, like a loving bond. No, it's specifically with Jessica Alba. You can only see two minutes into the future, apart from with Jessica Alba, where he can see many, many, many hours into the future. Many hours into the future. So yeah. So we- don't ruin it because the twist is insane, and you should watch it for the twist alone. <laughs> I think. Well, did you actually not want me to spoil next? No, no, I don't think you should. I I clearly care about our listeners more than you do. That you would. Demand that they watch that trash. I'm not demanding that they watch the trash. I'm just saying that if you want to see a really bad twist, you should watch next. Okay. Okay. Right. That'll that'll do that then. Okay. Let, drive angry. Oh. <laughs> Amber um, Heard's in it. <laughs> th- th- this this is definitely the most fun of the three ones we saw. And there was like whereas next is just kind of like a bit poorly put together and the pacing isn't nice and the action's like bad. Drive Angry is so over the top and ridiculous. I was kind of into it for a time, uh, but then it just gradually lost me. Um, the stuff with Amber Heard isn't isn't great. Yeah, she's like very like um, strong female character, but like the, the Kate Beaton comic where they're like strong female characters. Uh. Like, uh, there is a bit where Nick Cage has like Nick Cage is like a zombie he's like come back from hell so there's this whole you think it's going to be a stupid car film and what it turns out to be actually is a stupid film about a man coming back from hell to save his daughter and granddaughter from a cult yeah and it ends up being a bit too perfect it should have leaned into being more metal it should have been a bit more like mandy which seems weird because mandy is kind of like its own thing it is like a weird half step to mandy though like it's it's not 
plot-wise, it's not a mile away from Mandy. <laughs> there is, um, it's kind of worth watching up to a scene where Nick Cage has like weird bullet time sex with a sort of bar woman. I did feel embarrassed watching that. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, there's he, a kind of scene where like if you were watching it and a loved one walked into the room, you would be like pausing it or like looking at your phone <laughs> just being like, "Oh, yeah, this was this was just on." Yeah, um, yeah, whatever. The the woman's naked. Nick Cage is looking at his most hideous and strange and um he's where he's fully clothed and she's fully nude and then he sort of spins her around while he shoots some guys it's um the devil is in it the devil is in this film um mm. it's a clip honestly it's a, it's a clip i saw this in the cinema that's that's <laughs> quite that's quite sad remember going to the cinema yeah i saw ghost rider 2 in the cinema as well jesus yeah okay <laughs> let's move on um right thank you greatest living actor nicholas gage <laughs> thanks nicholas gage uh, next up, we have The Hunt. The Hunt, yes. Uh, Controversial. A politically confused film. And it was uh, going to be released, and then it was pushed back after some horrible, tragic shooting in America, I think. I can't quite remember the specifics now, because this this was pushed back before in the before time mm. to then be released in the current fucking crazy time we're in now. Um, but yeah, The Hunt... Is like kind of like battle royale with socio-economic class warfare. So it's like the libs. Oh yeah, the libs have kidnapped a bunch of conservative chuds, and they're getting them to shoot at each other. And the film, and they and they've captured the lady from Glow, Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin. They've captured she's, her. She's really good. She's really, really like good. She, they've captured her. She's not who they think she is. Um, <laughs> yeah. And this, the film, it were, as somebody who does not like conservatives or liberals, <laughs> as a communist, mm-hmm. comrades, I speak directly to you, mm. it's, uh, that sort of worked for me, but I felt mm. like it needed to come out with, like, it needed to come out with a hard political stance because as it was, it was very like both sidesy. And it was yeah. just kind of like Betty Gilpin ending up as this like fucking avatar of centrism. <laughs> yeah, it felt a bit sanded down, and maybe a couple of people wanted to push it one way or the other. Yeah, I, w- I would have quite liked if they just said like if, if they made Betty Gilpin actually like communist. I mean, granted, I, I would think that, but like, you know, I it's yeah they should i i actually i think it would have been more interesting if they'd made a like more left wing than them or something yeah um but yeah it was it was like weird it was like sort of like leaning into that kind of QAnon conspiracy stuff it it, it is kind of interesting but it's it, it's yeah. like i said it's a bit both sidesy and a bit centrist dad and yeah it doesn't quite so, so, some of it is like the action is okay there's a really good fight scene towards the end yeah. between um Betty Gilpin and the main villain, who, which is really well choreographed. Yeah, and we can't say who the main villain is. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. a spoiler. Yeah, it's a yeah, reveal yeah. who the yeah, male, yeah. who the main villain is. Um, but yeah, it's just basically like they're a little bit country and they're a little bit rock and roll, <laughs> and they say tomato and they say tomato and let's call the whole thing off. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's doing a weird job of like it's sort of trying to be offensive, but it knows it's trying to be offensive. Yeah, it's a bit, and it puts it in a weird spot. Yeah, it's a bit almost like weirdly toothless, isn't it? Yeah, but probably probably because it's so fucking centrist. Um, right. What's next, Georgie? Next night. It, next night. Next night. Next night we have 
Good Night Mommy. Good Night Mommy. Mommy. Um, so when I watched this film, I hated it because I hated the twist. And then George wanted to watch it. And I think we just ended up not watching it. So we watched it recently. Drilling um, backstory. You hated it this time. As well, <laughs> I, well, I was yeah. expecting to like it more. I thought, oh, maybe I've been too harsh on it. And then I got to the end and I was like, you know, I was right. <laughs> I was uh, I was right on this. Yeah, so Goodnight Mummy, it's uh, German? Or is it Austrian? It's Austrian. It's Austrian film. Two young brothers. Um, twins. Twins who are living with a woman who has just undergone some kind of facial surgery and they're not sure if it's her mum. Their mum. Their mum. Uh, because of the change to behavior of this woman and uh i don't know how we're gonna like talk about this without spoiling the twist because this film like is so it, the but problems yeah, with it, this are really in the twist i thought the first 60 minutes were okay even though i yeah. saw exactly how this was gonna go wrong the and first, then it did the first 60 minutes are basically about two little boys beginning to suspect that their mother is not their mother because she appears to have had like a bunch of plastic surgery and stuff and um and yeah, that's kind of as far as we can go without spoiling it. Mm. I don't think there's any point in spoiling it for the sake of like a three minute review. So we're yeah. not going to, but um, I hate the twist. I thought it was bad. We also watched the follow up, which was called The Lodge. Yes. And that was worse. That, it that was, was recent. I think that may have been released during the lockdown. Yes. Yeah. It didn't have the, it didn't even have the benefit of Goodnight Mommy's like solid opening hour. It was just, no, just, really just kind of bad. Just and kinda... I think they've got iffy gender politics and a lot of other yeah. stuff and mental health um yeah stuff, both films have yeah. got really iffy gender politics and stuff which is interesting because one of the directors is a woman um and yet <laughs> the first woman to do wrong clearly clearly no no, no margaret thatcher has ever walked <laughs> yeah. before and done shitty misogynist In, things good, good night mommy is definitely the better film than yeah the Lodge. absolutely by by a country mile i think and so there's some of the horror stuff in there some of there's some like gnarly kind of like the not quite tortury stuff but there's certainly some like unpleasantness um that i was way into in good night mommy when it sort of starts ramping up but um again i think you you won't have to have seen many films to know which way it's going. Yeah. Um, and it just, it, yeah. it, it, ends up, it ends up being really unsatisfying. The Lodge has also got like, a horrible kid from the Book of Henry. He's also in It. I, I hate his face. You shouldn't yeah. say that about a child, no, no, but I hate his face. you shouldn't say that about a child or a child actor. He's just doing his job, but I do hate no. him. I do hate I, him. I don't even think he's like bad. I just think he's been in unrelentingly bad stuff he's been in some insufferable things and he's played some insufferable characters okay that's us again we're calling it tight see you were like three minutes is two minutes is too short i think three minutes i don't think three minutes lends enough urgency to it but let's carry on with the three minutes i think three minutes has great synergy with the next film which yeah. is alien the third alien three. Oh hi yes so by ridley diddley uh, Ridley Diddley's. We told the Ridley Diddley story on the podcast before. Go for it. Um, our friend Rebecca's friend worked for Ridley Scott's production company as like a runner, and he met Ridley Scott for the first time when he was handing a coffee to him, and he got really nervous and went, "Here you go, Ridley Diddley," and he was fired on the spot. <laughs> That's a that sucks. That <laughs> anyway, really sucks. So- <laughs> So Ridley did Lisa. <laughs> but like, also, like, imagine like someone sacked you over something so trivial, so meaningless. What a humorless arsehole. Here you go, Ridley Diddley. <laughs> but, and like, wherever you walk, and you hear people saying like, "Oh yeah, like Blade Runner's great. Oh Gladiator's great. Oh yeah." And then, but then you've also got the cringe of thinking about the time that you called him Ridley Diddley, and he 
hated it so much that he's like, anyway, if that was me, I would hound him. It would be some sort anyway, of fatal attraction stalker Alien thing where I just ridley diddly him. Alien 3 is shit, isn't it? Alien 3 is, I, th- I think, kind of really impressive for the weird choices at every level. Oh yeah, for the way that it just goes to like undermine everything that the franchise has done. It was like it, it's oh, you know what? It's like it's like the rise of Skywalker almost. Oh, we we do get a mention it. Yeah, we do get to mention it, but in terms of like the way that it just it sees what Alien 2 does and it's just like, yeah. Hit <laughs> <laughs> a weird noise. Yes, a spinach leaf. (laughs) Eliza thought the other day that a spinach leaf on the floor was a mouse and she screamed. Uh, It's a running joke in the house that I have to tell you, the listener. Yeah. Now you're laughing at yourself. Yeah, sorry. Um, But anyways, yeah, Alien 3. So just pretty much from the beginning, it it has a bunch of unsatisfying decisions and you don't really... It feels like a different uh, Ripley to, do you know, I've just realised. What? Ridley, the director. Ripley, the character. It's Ripley and Ridley. Wow. Funny that, isn't it? Quite Rip- close. Ripley Pipley. <laughs> Ripley Pipley. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of, like, good stuff in there that you don't actually see, like... There's um, some good ideas. It would have been a really interesting third alien film if Ripley wasn't in it. And then they could have just yeah. had her arrive in her pod in Alien 4 to go and be in Lesbians with yeah. Winona Ryder, the android. Like, when Ripley turns up, she has her hair... And if you've not seen Alien 3, you probably can think of like the really iconic poster of the alien close up to Ripley and she's got a, a skinhead. You know the meme with the with the alien leaning into her and she's like, ooh, yeah. that's that's it's from Alien 3. So, so she gets this like really aggressive like cut. Um, but you don't actually see her do that. It's just like that happens like between scenes and like yeah. that's that's like quite a like a big Thing for, for oh no, the, edit, the editing's a mess, the construction's yeah. a mess. Um it shouldn't have been a a Ripley film and now we're done it's done it's done. done we've got no yeah. time no yeah, more time we're well, thinking of um, I, I will say separately we are thinking of covering the um, the Alien franchise as like a whole for its own episode yeah because we, we, we haven't really got plenty to say about me the lone defender of, of both Prometheus and Alien Covenant two films which I simply don't understand why other people think they're bad they're, they're really bad but at least Alien 3 we can agree I think even Aliens has some stuff that I'm a bit wonky on even though I think it's, I, it's I actually considerably sort of don't like Aliens I think Aliens is okay mostly they come at night mostly um, mostly they came in yeah, mostly. But, but yeah Alien 3 I think we could certainly do a lot of talking about I mean you know we're still talking about it. what's the next it, film come on come on come on come on let's go uh, Boys in the Hood Boys in the Hood Boys in the Hood yeah. yeah this seems like one of these films that might have been maybe less critically acclaimed upon reflection because it does feel very, very stereotypical of like I've I feel like I've seen this parodied before. Like I feel yeah, like yeah. I've probably seen a couple of episodes of maybe Boondocks or something that just like fucking rip oh, into yeah. the structure and, um, of this. GTA San Andreas, not, not so much like GTA five, but like GTA San Andreas, like you know, the PS2 era game. That definitely mm-hmm. like has like pa- like satire of, of this and stuff. Yeah, so it's like very like it it, it is essentially it's a coming of age film about boys in the hood 
So it's kind of about black masculinity, but it's about this like incredibly like melodramatic like. It's very Oscar baity. It is very Oscar baity. It's very like son, you can't turn to the gangs, but father, I must turn to the gangs <laughs> to avenge my friend. No, son, you must remain on the side of the law. I've raised you like... But father, the streets are calling to me. You're having too much fun doing this. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I first saw it when I was about 14 and I I quite liked it a lot then. It's a film I've definitely liked a lot less over the years. Like Back then I would recommend it to like, oh, anyway, I have Boys in the Hood. Oh, it's a cool film. Um, and I do think there's some like neat ideas ideas in there, yeah. but it's it's very dated. Oh yeah, it's super um, dated. It's super dated. It's super preachy. It's super melodramatic. I think it's got like one very specific idea of of um like the correct version of black masculinity. Yeah. Of where and it's very like it 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 basically says that crime is bad and like it's not necessarily people's fault that they get into crime, but it's kind of it doesn't really feel like. But if you critical. tried harder, you could just not do crime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you just if you just pulled your pants up, son. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it doesn't really have like um the the film that immediately came to mind for comparison for me was probably Do the Right Thing. And I think Do the Right Thing's like a much more interesting kind yeah. of look at like uh like uh, in terms of like a coming of age film about young black men and like systemic oppression and just kind of living in an in an urban environment. And even like I don't know, season four of The Wire, I think would do a much better yeah. job of this sort of thing. It'd be yeah. interesting to know how the timeline would be if there wasn't Boys in the Hood, because it was, I think, the first film by a black director to get nominated for like Best Picture at the Oscars and stuff. It seems like at the time it was an yeah, important yeah, no, film, like it's a culturally film. important film. It's but an important like, film. It's just it's just now. super dated. Yeah, yeah. I, I would still say watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. Next. Uh, next we have uh, Blair Witch 2016 the remake not its actual title it was just the Blair the, I think it was just the Blair Witch not the Blair Witch project but the Blair Witch I think that was just what it was the Blair Witch I'd I even prefer it was just Blair Witch I, I can't remember now um, but anyways yeah so uh, the Blair Witch remake huh it's really na- really naff isn't it why did they do that it's really boring they could have done something much more interesting with it but instead of them just having it be like i don't know instead of them just having it be like we're making another documentary about the blair witch or we're making a documentary about the camera crew that went missing that were making a documentary about the blair witch instead what they did was have it be like my sister was one of the women making the documentary. I must go and avenge her and find out what happened to her. And we just don't need that. We could have just had, like, yeah. why? Why is this connection even there? Immediately, I just sort of taken out of it. And I think this is really contrived and stupid. Yeah. And that that doesn't stop. They're also doing the thing that, like, modern found footage films do, where they're like, everybody has to have a GoPro. Everybody has to have a GoPro. A GoPro for you, a GoPro for you. Oh, you think GoPro, GoPro fairy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You've got a bit Oprah there. Like, you, know, you get a GoPro <laughs> yeah. and you get a GoPro. But it is basically like you get a GoPro and you get a GoPro. And I really hate, I think I've gone over this before, but I really hate found footage films that have no possible explanation for how the footage could have been fucking found. And like loads of these have just, there's like actual like monsters in shot and like they're getting chased by stuff the whole the whole ending's a bit fucking resident evil yeah. and i just i ju- it just made me really annoyed that the first film is like is like 
probably like kind of a perfect found footage film. I don't think it's a perfect film. And I think it's responsible for a lot of the things that were inflicted upon us afterwards. <laughs> but um, it, it, as, as far as found footage films go, it's like, you know exactly how the footage got recovered. You know exactly what they were filming on. It's completely reasonable that those cameras could have been found. Mm. And then this is just this is just absurd. Like, how are they retrieving the GoPro from the person that we just saw get yeah. eaten by a monster? Fuck off. Fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't really know why they did it when, at the time that they did because the first one came out and there wasn't like the found footage wave immediately afterwards. The found footage wave was kind of more like around like 2008. So that's when like I think Paranormal Activity in them came out. It was out. Cloverfield and Paranormal yeah. Activity that really so, kicked so it off So this coming out in 2016 like really missed the boat. It's a weird like dated sequel to an influential yeah. film, I guess. It's, it's a dated sequel to an influential film that completely missed the found footage wave and then doesn't chooses to not do anything new or interesting yeah. with the form. I don't want to say it should have gone Human Centipede 2, but considering the first one had the kind of the meta, like, were the actors actually actors because they were, like, had to disappear. There's all the stuff around the marketing of the film, which is really successful. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't this film have been about people's, like, obsession with the first one or some kind of, like, thing other than just, like, oh, someone's related to someone involved? Like, I yeah. feel like there, there should have been some kind of extra layer toward of, like, a really interesting meta, meta film, yeah. but instead it was just this fucking bland piece of shit. Fuck it, hate it. Yeah. Anyway, done. Found footage films are just so watchable. Have we though. done found footage as an episode? Have we done? I think, an I think we have done footage? found footage like spiritually, but I think that we could do a found footage episode. We should do a found footage episode. Anyway, next film. Uh, the next film, and this is our last film that we'll cover. We've also got TV and games to come. Ho ho. Oh. Uh, we've got another remake, Child's Play, twenty nineteen. Yeah, so we watched the first and second like original Child's Play films. They were actually really fun. Like the second one's better than the first one, and the first one's quite good. The first one's like kind of more unique, but like the second one's just really tight. I yeah. I kind of really like the pacing. It's got a lot like, of cool stuff about it. It's got it. a fantastic end set piece as well. Yeah, yeah. Um and they're both they're kind of like they're basically they're like a three and four star horror film. I, I really like the first yeah. two Child's Play films that we watched. I thought I'd find them too daft to get into, but then I got into them. Yeah, they are kind of they know that they're daft. They're very tongue in cheek mm. and they're really fun. So yeah, we've got this like second this this reboot where so the whole the whole premise of the first child's play films are like right so he's a he's a serial killer his name is charles he gets into a sort of buddy doll because the doll isn't called chucky the doll is the the brand of doll is buddy yeah which blew my mind when i I saw it plot twist um he gets in the doll he gets in the doll he makes friends with the kid people think that the kid's been killing people it's not as the doll second film kids going into foster care people think that he's been killing people think his mom's gone mental because she's like it's the doll it's the doll uh doll keeps coming after him doll's gonna kill him uh doll wants to kill him and steal his body so he's not stuck in the doll forever mm-hmm. he's stuck in the doll forever mm-hmm. um the reboot it's like he's like an a cool smart doll that goes insane yeah they and dro- it's why is it a child's play film they drop the supernatural bent so it's just kind of like an ai children's toy that goes on a rampage and yeah they try it- and make it a bit it's like got like a false stranger thingsy vibe like they've aged mm. up the kids so in the first film the kid's like six and he wants this like hideous baby doll because he's a little fucking kid whereas you've got this like 
like 12, 13 year old who's getting hanging out with this weird AI doll. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza's his mom because they cast Aubrey Plaza and they even have to have a line to explain it where she's like, I got pregnant on prom night. I'm Aubrey Plaza. I'm a cool young mom. Yeah. And, it, and it's very like, what? Just cast an older woman. She's miscasting like, it. Like, not yeah. just like, like her vibe is really. Older sister. Oh, yeah. I don't even know why they didn't even just make her his older sister instead of making. It, yeah, it would have made a lot more sense yeah she was like in her early 20s and stuff because like she gets with this like douche boyfriend who's kind of abusive towards him and you kind of come out of the film thinking like in the first child's play film there's the stuff about the love between mother and son as one of the sort of the things that sort of moves the plot forward whereas here it's just kind of like oh Aubrey Plaza seems just kind of like a shitty mum. yeah and it's it just it's it's it's, it's mean-spirited the whole film it's mean-spirited it's weird it's like a weird stranger things ripoff i don't give a shit about this kid i want to see a fucking ghost doll stab some people i don't want to see fucking alexa in the doll with a knife i don't care i don't care I don't care. It was bad. It was it, a waste of time. It also, I know the clock's about to go, but I've got to just say this one point because it's obviously going to really blow people's minds. Yeah. After watching Charles play films where for a chunk of all of them, it is this doll is killing people, this doll is killing people, and people don't believe the person saying the doll is killing people until they finally go, oh shit, the doll is killing people. Mm-hmm. After you've seen like, And then the doll kills them. And then the doll kills them. In this remake where Aubrey Plaza's like, oh no, the doll, the doll's not killing you, it's just like really frustrating. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> it, it should be just like she believes him like really quickly or subvert it somehow, but that she's not until like the final set piece like believing that the doll is a killer. Yeah. It's just like, oh God. Oh God, too yeah, long, too long, too long to build up to that. Anyways, that's uh, that's films done. Okay, cool. Are we not gonna? God, I feel I feel like we watched more films than that. I mean, obviously we have watched more. We've films also than watched that. incredibly bad films. Yeah, we, we watched have Doolittle. So watched incredibly bad films. Do Doolittle is wanna, a film I'm recommending to people. Do you not even want to talk about um, what was it that we watched the other day that was like not that bad? Okay, we've hit the point where Basic Instinct. Do you not want to talk about Basic Instinct? Oh yeah, let's let's talk about the do you want to talk about no i think basic instinct will probably be the last one that i'd want to talk about there okay Mm -hmm. basic instinct a joint by paul verhoeven director of showgirls and also written by the same guy that wrote showgirls feels very pre-showgirls very like a precursor to showgirl Mm. and oh my god it's a clip isn't it it's got none of it's got none of um showgirls is glamour it doesn't have the nails which (laughs) is what we wanted yeah i think um you know, there's the big debate about like Paul Verhoeven's like '90s films about are they satire, are they not, are they bad, are they good, whatever. I think Basic Instinct is just kind of like badly made. I think it's <laughs> I think it's repetitive. I don't yeah. think it has the same kind of intellectual stuff going on in the other films. Like you know, Showgirls are saying stuff about the industry there, whatever, and Robocop saying allegedly. stuff about cops. Yeah, allegedly, <laughs> and Starship Troopers saying stuff about the military. And this is just kind of like. Uh, like maybe like this woman wants to kill people maybe she doesn't she's know. bisexual yeah so there, she's suspicious there's some stuff in there that is good but it's like over two hours and um yeah it's just not very satisfying you know and- do you want to do you want to hear my hot take i think it's i think it might be like peak on-screen biphobia oh tell me more in terms of like right so a pro- an interesting thing that you have about the representation of bisexual people in on screen 
is that they're often cast in like a duplicitous role, implying that there's something inherently like dishonest or two-faced about about bisexuality itself. So you get quite a lot of like bisexual spies, quite a lot of bisexual pirates, a lot of like basically people who are living kind of double lives is like a a constant feature in in the bisexual character, mm. which is the the main kind of woman whose susp is like openly bisexual and also like she's she's mental and deluded maybe or is she she's a writer and then she betrays people and puts their stories in her books and she cheats on people and you never know where you stand with her and you never know if she's telling the truth or not and um mm. i think it's like a very it's like a very stereotypical biphobic thing and I think it sort of epitomizes a lot of people's anxieties around bisexual women that they're like sexually voracious and untrustworthy. And yeah, um, yeah. I think Verhoeven's other films, you can you can get a sense of what that what he's trying to say with Showgirls. That sense is a bit more illogical, but I do think I get what he's trying to say. Yeah, this industry is bad. Don't let it yeah. like kind of overcome you or whatever. Whereas with Basic Instincts, I don't I don't really know because there is stuff like about the cops being like shit. Like Michael Douglas is a real piece of yeah. shit as character, but they don't really go far enough no. with it. They never quite. They kind of show you it, but they never like reflect on it. Yeah. But yeah, I think. Uh, I also hate Michael Douglas's face. Yeah, same. I think he's got a um, he's got he's got a misogynist face, hasn't he? He's got a bad sex person energy. He, he does have a bad sex, person, he is a sex energy. person. Right. Okay. That's that's us done for for films then. Uh, right. TV shows. TV shows. Uh, yeah. So we've watched stuff that we've liked. We've also watched stuff which has squandered its potential. Um, we've only got a couple TV shows here. Um, let's start with uh, Drag Race. Season 12, specifically. Season 12, and then let's talk about All Stars 5. Okay, separately or together? Let's talk about them separately. Okay. There's enough to say. Cool. Season 12. Um, Very strange. So normally we don't talk about Drag Race on the show, even though like I think there's reason that we could talk about Season 11. It's just a little bit stranger to talk about reality television as squandered potential, because it's like real people. But Season 12 is obviously has the unique feature of Redacted. Of the featuring of <laughs> who was obviously um, oh, static noise, yeah, of um, of the contestant that was cut for um sexual misconduct because basically about like two weeks before the show was due to air, um, even a week maybe, um, somebody came out and said the contestant Sherry Pie had tricked him into performing sexual favors and injecting steroids on webcam under the guise that he was auditioning for a stage play called bulk which would be about like a man abusing steroids but actually it just turns out that it was sherry pie posing as a casting agent called allison mossy and um she has a bulking and feeding fetish it's a crazy story yeah it's mental it um so what happened was that person accused her and then a bunch more people came forward and said that she'd done the same thing to him and um buzzfeed did a big expose on it and then he came out on facebook as if this was going to be a thing that he could wave away like oh my god i'm so sorry i'm like learning and growing and i'm so sorry <laughs> for anybody so that gave um he obviously ended up getting cut from the show and um that left the editors of season 12 of drag race in fact you know i'm going to stop the timer because i think it's worth just talking about it in a bit more detail yeah. um that left the editors of drag race the fascinating task of having to edit around sherry pie somebody who was clearly a front runner who ended up going to who would have been in the finale mm. of the show um 
of editing around her and editing around what was obviously like a very favorable edit and like clearly kind of a backbone of the show. Yeah. Um, and she, she's not really edited out of the first episode because this happened. The, the allegations about, were made around the first or second episode. It, no, it was about a week before. It was about oh, a week was before it, oh, it was right, due to okay. air, which is why the first one's not edited, but the rest of them yeah, are. Yeah. And the first episode, she's got a lot of talking heads. Uh, she does well. She's certainly framed as a contender, like she's, from the off. She's like the main character of that episode, yeah. I would almost say. Um, so, yeah. Um, so by the second episode, she is gone from the talking heads. The talking heads are gone. Um, and she's only in for kind of like plot moments. So basically, if she starts to argue with somebody and that it becomes their plot. But even then, I think because she was supposed to have like beef with one of the contestants, Widow Von Du, it seems like mm. Widow ended up having a reduced role in the show yeah. by extension. So it had this like really weird knock-on effect where they had to find other contestants to kind of focus on a bit more. So it ended up with a weird situation where I think Gigi good who was probably going to get a bit of a cuntier edit ended up with a slightly more favorable edit and then yeah. they probably gave more screen time to like jada being nice because that ended up being a sort of feature of the show which i don't think would yeah. have been otherwise because jada had strong talking heads but yeah not in the same way in that first episode i don't i don't yeah, remember i don't no. even have to rewatch it i guess she she sure. won the first episode but they she yeah. didn't get as much screen time as sherry yeah. pie um so yeah it ended up being a really like an interesting season just purely for that there was even an episode where they actually cut out her runway um and i thought it was just something that they were trying out but it was actually because it was the episode sponsored by the stage show frozen they were just like just cut her out cut her out get her out the episode get her out the episode no that was it that was it it wasn't could be that was what happened um the frozen stage show asked them to cut her runway out and cut as much of her out as they could an episode which she actually won so that was yeah oh no she didn't win she just nearly won but there there were there were one or two episodes that she won where she was like didn't have the runway or maybe had like a very brief like very quick slapdash kind of edit and stuff where she didn't have like the workroom run through and the chat with rupaul or anything like that yeah um so yeah, it, it really strange season because it was uh, far better than season eleven. Yeah, and the quality of queens kind of across the board was really strong. Yeah, and there was a lot to like about it. But I think that or, or, or when there were more queens in the show, it could get around it better. But as the show went on, it became mm. a problem they couldn't really get past, yeah, it, and the season fizzles out as a result. It, it was so strange. I almost wish that they had kind of like at least in the last couple of episodes maybe just kept her in for the sake of like the show not becoming a mess because it did or or make shorter episodes even just shorter episodes i would have been completely happy with i think that's too long anyway oh yeah yeah oh god when you rewatch um earlier seasons and their episodes of 45 minutes the pacing is so much better Mm. make them an hour long and have untucked within the episode or make them 45 minutes that's my that's my hot take which would lose them money so they won't go for it nope absolutely Um, not um, but it also as well with the cherry pie stuff of the way that each episode started or at least like half of them start <laughs> with the like white text on black background of cherry pie has been disqualified from the competition yeah somber the tone it's just like oh like like drag race is like i mean drag race has serious moments but it's like it's, it's fun but having this really serious reminder of this predator abusing and traumatizing people oh yeah makes for a very weird hey Welcome to the new episode kind of vibe. Um, 
Hey, we forgot to background check our contestants. We're so sorry. Yeah. Oops. I, I wonder how it would have gone if she hadn't copped to it. Yeah. I, I know. I, it just it seems like there was kind of a wealth of evidence and um, it would have been... It probably would have just mean, meant that she would have gotten a full edit for like two more episodes and then they would have cut her up yeah. and disqualified her. Um, but yeah, I think I think part of the reason she copped to it is because there was so much obvious evidence. Um, yeah. Or maybe the show asked her to. Maybe the show weren't quite sure what to do and they said, well, maybe you come out and do the apology and then we'll they decided. Yeah. Now, I, I bet if um, Wilder Wonder had had a had had a hold of it i think they probably would have said deny for the sake of just assuming that they're like yeah. an evil capitalist machine which yeah. they probably are and to be um, fair to them although drag race has certainly got some like iffy politics in its history and they did the right thing here they did as best they could with a pretty shit situation um you'd say yeah yeah and it made like i said it made it, the last few episodes are particularly weird because they're so kind of baggy without the presence of and it's weird i think i'm actually i am glad that they cut her out of the show ultimately even though i think that just for like the sake of structure we maybe could have just done with like a little bit more of a as kind of like begrudging as i am to say in the last few episodes or shorter much shorter episodes that's the choice i think you've got to make mm. um i think the judging seems like it would have been really aggressively biased towards her and i don't like it i mean obviously i don't like her but like I don't really like a drag. I don't think she's funny anyway. She was very repetitive as yeah. well with the old doddery woman shtick. Yeah, and I think, um, to be honest, I'm really glad that they cut her out because I just, I just think she would have been annoying as fuck. I think it would have been like having another fucking Nina West on the show, but like more obnoxious. Yeah. I didn't mind Nina West at the time. Yeah, neither did I at the cool, time. Cool but, her afterwards. Mm, very cringe. Stop putting people's feet in your mouth, Nina. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, should we talk about All Stars 5, but on the timer? Yeah, it's yeah. not finished yet. It's, it isn't finished yet, no, so... It's, it isn't finished yet, season. but it might as well be. Yeah. Um, this is weird in different ways. I yeah. suppose each season of, of Root, Root Drag Race is weird now because they're trying so hard. Yeah, All Stars 5 should not have come out this year. It was too soon for another All Stars. I don't know. Frankly, we should only be on All Stars 3 now. <laughs> yeah, they've diluted it. Yeah, it's not all stars. It's just who has like not gone in the first three episodes. Who's got the most thing, followers you know? on Instagram, kind yeah. of thing? Because it was just so many of the like pretty much half the queens there were like, oh, I kind of fizzled on my season, and I'm here to make my redemption, and I'm gonna see if I can do better this time. We're in a weird situation where fucking we've got Blair St. Clair in the top four, and her lips. And her lips in a season Ooh. of we have we have Blair and in the top four, and she's not. I didn't mind her in season ten oh, as like no, a, like as like a filler queen, um, but like you know to have her be an all star who makes it to the top fun, four, just like. And yeah. if you think if you think about the cast that we've had on the last three seasons of All Stars now, if we'd had the best of the, this, we could have had we could have had a season that had like Shea Coulee, Juju B, Alexis. Yeah. Um, Bendel la Creme. Bendel la Creme. Um, Chi Chi. Trixie. Did you say Latrice? Latrice, if she was getting back on. I don't think I'd have Manila back on. I'd have Latrice back on. Do you know? Do you know? You're not really. No, I don't like her. I don't do think she's know, funny. Do you like Manila? No, I think she's quite obnoxious. I, I, I think Manila's Manila sound. She's a bit. Um, she's a bit. She's been a bit Blue Lives Matter lately on Twitter, which I apologise to inform you that Manila's cancelled. Um, you either die here or you live long enough to get cancelled yeah but that naomi smalls 
Oh, yeah, yeah. She, life isn't fair. Life isn't. <laughs> life's not fair. The most iconic thing that has ever. We're, All Stars 4, worth it for Naomi sending Manila home. Naomi was right. <laughs> yeah. We're, we yeah. we stand Naomi Smalls in this house. Legs, legs, what's on the menu every day is like day. Um, but yeah, we could have. Basically, we could be on All Stars 3 right now, and we could be having the absolute, like, fucking cream of the crop of, yeah. of the last three seasons instead of having a season where Blair St. Clair is in the top four. And you know what? I think in the context of that All Stars 3, um, I still think Shay would win. And I think uh, it's a shame that Shay is going to be crowned on a season where she is won by a country mile rather than just like, rather than just like the inch that she should have won by. <laughs> yeah. I would take Jujube winning. I'd take Jujube winning, but I want... I think it would have to be a bit of shenanigans for Jujube to win. But if, mm. if neither win, I mean, if, if if Blair or Cracker win... No, because it's Blair the top, in the top four? Yeah, yeah so it's Blair Cracker. Blair Cracker, yeah. Um, if either Blair or Cracker win... Electric we, chair. We've just got to... Electric we chair. We may as well shut up shop and go home. Yeah. It's over, like, you know... I will say that, that Kate, Kate, who listens, is a big Cracker fan, and I apologise to her. I didn't mind Cracker in season 10, and I kind of don't mind her now, but she's just not... I think my least favourite subgenre of reality TV show contestant is reality TV show contestant desperately trying to make sure they get a favourable edit, which is, I think, very much the brand that Cracker is, and I, yeah. I, I kind of... I, can't bear it it's just it's so like transparent and like grating to me in her opening talking head she was like i was in my own head and that's disrupted my focus but now i'm here and i and it's it's like it's like she saw katya yeah, yeah exactly yeah and she's it's, trying to do that it's trying to do the katya thing but with absolutely none of the authenticity or meth psychosis mm. yeah but oh well, you know Let, let's move on <laughs> um but one of the i don't want to say the good things about the lockdown, the pandemic is like a bunch of people have passed away. At least there will be this pause on Drag Race. Yes, thank is, we're, God. We're not yes. even, we've not even gotten around to Canada Drag Race. No. Which we probably will. Yeah. They were filming Drag Race UK season two. Yeah, that's going to have a fun weird break in the middle of it, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know what they'll do with that. They're going to just have to have a fun weird break, like what they did with in season three, where everybody came back and had a beard and their talking head. I hope someone has had horrible plastic surgery in the meantime. Not that yeah. you can really get much plastic surgery, I assume, during a pandemic, but if there's one group of people who will find a way to get plastic surgery it's, in the worst of times, it's the drag queens. It'll be it's the, the drag, drag community, queens. yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. Sorry, that yeah. was more than three minutes. But. Okay, yeah. This one will definitely be within three minutes unless we talk as fast as the characters on. The show. Oh, are we doing Too Old to Die Young? Can I do? Can we do just do a little skit where we talk like the characters in Too Old to Die Young? Yeah. Hang on a second. Let me let me let me start the skit. So this is just this is just the vibe of Nicholas Winding Refn's Too Old to Die Young. Do you like me? Why do you ask? You were looking at me, so I just thought, you know. Weren't you looking at me? Do you have any cocaine? Maybe. 
and scene. <laughs> I don't know if we were even doing it like slow enough. No. Um so it's a show it's a it's a show where they talk slow. George we both started watching it. I was playing Fallout New Vegas while George was watching it. Mm. And um I was sort of deciding whether I could be asked with it. And we got about 20 minutes in when I was like, oh, so that's just going to be what the dialogue's like for like the whole time. And then I kind of tuned out and then George carried on watching it. Okay, I got, I'm a big Nicholas Winding Refn. We? Well, yeah, we are. We are, yeah, that's true. Um, One brain cell between <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and it looks amazing. Like it's one of the best looking TV shows. It does look amazing. Um, and like, it, so- it sounds really, like what I'm going to say is really basic. It's almost like every frame is like is a like, a, like like a painting. every frame of painting it's, it's like it's just like a, the image the still image that you see is just amazing but yeah so it's um it's like a cop show there's a bunch of violence drugs mexican cartels all the rest of it all that fun stuff when you read through the episode synopsis on wikipedia it sounds fucking banging every episode sounds like high octane great stuff but every episode is like an hour to an hour and a half long and it is really slow and there's just too damn much of it and i i did enjoy a bit lots of it and i probably will watch it again eventually but it it, it, it's kind of mad that it was made it's 13 hours and i think it should have been like uh, a six six. (laughs) if it was six it would have the pacing of something more in line with like drive and it would be entirely different to drive but that's what it would be a bit like and people thought drive was far too slow if you you struggled with with drive and the way that ryan gosling doesn't say much and he has the gaps between stuff then you just won't make it through the first episode of this oh it's like it's like drive on ketamine yeah it it feels like a satire but I don't know what it's a satire of. So I don't know if we've reached the parody phase of Nicholas Winding Refn's career, which I think was always going to happen. No, I think we might have reached the um, crawled up his ass and died phase yeah. of Nicholas Winding Refn's career, which he justifies by being like, it's satire, you just didn't understand yeah. it. There's a really weird interview that he does about this where he says that, oh, the idea, because when he first showed this to people, like the first look, it was episodes four and five without seeing episodes one through three first. And he was like, well, people nowadays, they watch shows out of order. But he also said in another interview that it's like a 13 hour film, to which I say, what film would you watch out of order? Should I stick on the middle 20 minutes of Drive and then the first 20 minutes and then the last 20? Like, what? He'd probably be I, like, I yes, know. yes, you should do that. You should do that. I think it'll be a really interesting. In fact, it was actually intended to be watched that way. So <laughs> fuck you. The, I, I do think there's some really cool stuff within the show i think it is like for me one of the most squandered potential things that we've kind of talked about in that is it there's a great there's there is a really great thing in there but it's just like too, waiting for between too all the pauses yeah. is it nicholas winding raffin that's been making the tiktoks with his teenage daughters it is yeah yes good good watch those instead it, he, <laughs> he for someone who is kind of up himself he does also seem like a fun he, guy. he does seem like fun he seems like a nice guy but um i think that somebody gave him kind of like a blank check for this and it should have just it should just be half the length there's it, no there's no need for that to be a 30 second pause between each piece of dialogue it's ridiculous right what's what's next it does have a bit where hideo kojima uses a samurai sword to like cut a guy's like like hand off oh no it's like finger off and that's pretty cool i i'll, I'll enjoy a bit of hideo kojima representation sick uh so that's do you know that's a way that people give um, penance in the Yakuza? If they've made a mistake, they'll go to their um, superior and cut off one finger. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's quite why you'll often like see in Japanese films like people who are kind of coded as Yakuza or ex-Yakuza will often be missing a couple of fingers. Oh, cool. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for telling me that. Yeah, no problem. 
Okay, now we're on to games. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god, uh, this this one will be quick. This has got its own dialogue issues. Mm-hmm. Not actually finished it because it's episodic, but I've played the first three episodes. Is Life is Strange Two, which Eliza hasn't been playing. Uh, no, but, but but Life is Strange Two. Uh, I'm just gonna cut in that I didn't want to play this because I thought it looked fucking naff. Yeah, and I was right. Oh yeah, no, I I kind of I did I did think Life is Strange One was okay. But I think that um, there were issues with it that I thought if they kind of ironed some of that out, this could be like a like a, a studio, a game studio to kind of watch and like take interest in. But all the problems of Life is Strange One are made much worse in this. I think the setup is cool. The idea of two brothers on this sort of road trip across America and their fugitives. There's a lot of cool stuff I like about the setup, but it's only in concepts. The actual execution is real rough the dialogue is really mawkish and sentimental yeah the dialogue is um even just from kind of like watching george play snippets of it this is some of the worst game dialogue i've heard written in the last 10 years and then i'm tearing my hair out when i'm like reading reviews because i was like i don't remember this being like panned and it's like reviews like generally well like people seem to hover between sort of 60 to like 90 percent yeah but i just i think the bars on the fucking floor for um for game writing it feels like a lot of the like the positive reviews are almost like oh my god this game has characters in it what and uh, I, I don't know, it, but now now it's reached this point where it's gotten kind of so naff. I'm actually kind of enjoying it a little. It's gotten so dumb. Like and, like there's a bit where like one of the main characters asks like what he could do if he had like like a lot of money suddenly or whatever, and his choices are like one single toothbrush he can share with his brother, some socks. <laughs> Or to save the money. That is one single toothbrush to share, some socks, or to save the money. Like, that's the choice that it gives you as, like, a dialogue thing. So it's gotten this, like, really daft. And and now, for me, it's kind of this unintentional unintentional satire of choice-ridden games. Um, yeah, it, it kind of sucks. And also, coming from Last of Us 2 to this... The facial animations. Oh my god! Just the they ca- look like Sims. Yeah, I don't mind like like a low fidelity graphical look, but they just they they look just really plasticky. They look like plastic, don't they? It's yeah. really strange, and they're really like the movements are like really jerky and and like spastic almost. Yeah. It's just really strange. Um, but no, it looks awful. It sounds awful, and I fucking hate it every time I walk into the room at eleven a.m. on a Saturday morning. Um, because you've been up for three hours, and I am still seventeen, biologically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I get up very late, and I'm like, "There he is, playing Life is Strange." Now I'm gonna watch this for ten minutes while I do some sewing or something. <laughs> right, that's uh, that's it for Life is Strange. Um, what other games we got to talk about? Next up, we've got. I will just mentioned it there. Uh, Last of Us Two. Yes, yeah, so I watched you play this because um, mm. quite often I'm a little bit funny with horror games. I find them like quite because I've got quite bad anxiety, but for some reason I'm quite good at I'm quite good at I'm I'm like I don't give a shit about horror films. I watch any horror film, but when I play um, horror games, it's like too it's kind of too intense for me. So I hand over the reins to you. I think I also I played um, Last of Us one and I found the controls a little bit too fiddly I didn't really have the patience for it Mm. I find this more as well with story based games that I have like very little patience for the combat and I just kind of want to know what the story is so I'm quite often sat there pushing like can we just turn this down to easy so we can blast through it Um, well you're you're happy to fiddle about a little bit more so I'll I'll hit start on this and then we'll talk about the game probably sure so I really liked it I think the first game I didn't realise until after I'd 
finished it and then replayed it like back to back that it was kind of I just think a really solid tight story oh, it's fantastic. and I got yeah. so much out of it I think I get a lot out of this but it's got lots of flaws the first game didn't have particularly around pacing and structure yeah um which I would like to talk about because I think mm. I think you enjoyed it more than me because you played it whereas yeah. I watched it almost like a really baggy film that made a bunch of wild um pacing decisions so without getting into spoilers because it is so new out um yeah there is a point where the the story makes quite a bold choice in the middle and has a major point of view shift we'll say Mm. and that major point of view shift takes place side by side with um the, your sort of main point of view which is ellie i think people are aware that like yeah, ellie's yeah. the major point of view character for this game um so it leaves you on this huge cliffhanger and then you're kind of it leaves you on a huge cliffhanger but because you know that the character that you shift to survives because you just watched ellie's point of view mm. and you've seen the cliffhanger where that point of view character is there you're just sort of playing it like well not only is there no tension here i know exactly what's going to happen to every single person here because there's no tension and there's just absolutely no reason why because it takes place in seattle over like day one day two day three day four there's no there's there's just no reason why it couldn't be day one day one day two day two day three day three mm, instead yeah. of going day one two three four with ellie and then doing day one two three four with this character yeah they they could have found a good way to have like more smaller cliffhangers instead of one massive big one in the middle by having the 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 different sort of paths interweave yeah it really it really spaffs its cliffhanger up the wall i really thought the new game plus would be oh you can play this in uh a chronological order i guess i don't know if that's the, the right term specifically but you get what i mean yeah um and uh, yeah, the actual story stuff that happens, I kind of like really enjoy a lot of it. I actually think my hot take is, and a lot of people say it's too long. I think it's a little bit too short. Mm. I think that there's so much, so many characters and so much stuff being built up. Yeah. More stuff needs more time to breathe. I think there should be less combat, yeah. but kind of more of everything else. I think the re- the reason it feels too long is because they do such a huge change with that big cliffhanger. Yeah. So all you want to do is get back to that point so everything after that point drags and there's no way to get around that dragon if you make that a strange choice like that to the point that i kind of wouldn't be surprised if they made the decision to bring out a patch which put the game in chronological order as an option i I would bet on this that certainly there'll be like a playstation 5 release which will be last of us 2 remastered and it'll be like a oh you can play it this way and that wouldn't surprise me um but I, you know, I, I do think it's also this incredible technical achievement, but also through this very dubious working practices of people working these horrible working patterns. Yeah, and and the ends don't justify the means. They're like that's not cool. Um, but it does make me think playing it. Like, I don't, I don't know if I really like. I'm that bothered about like all the new consoles and stuff coming out when a game like that can come out and look how it does is. Yeah, it, 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 it's in, it's like kind of like jaw dropping a lot of the time. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it looks incredible. And it is unfortunate that the stink of bad of of unfair working conditions and um crunch is gonna hang over it, and that's going to be the thing that people have to talk about every single time that they mention this game. Yeah. And I think I feel like I speak for most gamers when I say that I would prefer to wait longer for games or to just have shorter games. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or to just just to have like less fucking leaf textures. Like it looks amazing, but I don't know if I need the grass to look realistic. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, feel, oh, I, yeah. I I would I would prefer to have games that like look worse or take longer to come out or are shorter than. And it makes me think about how like okay, so it, I think I think it's 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 at least a very good game for me. It's probably a great game, and when I replay it, the pacing and the structure issues won't be as evident for me because I think when something has kind of like maybe kind of bad pacing, it's less of an issue when you replay it or re immerse yourself in it because you know the beats of what happens when and all that stuff. But I think about how good this game is, but I think about how much better it could have been if, say it had people who worked on this game who couldn't have done because of crunch. If you have like kind of any kind of any level of care responsibilities, if you've got health issues that mean you can't work those long hours, all these kind of diverse voices that you just don't get involved in the process of making this game because they can't physically be in the office for these ridiculous hours and they can't yeah. spend that much time away from their families. I think that really sucks. I think that holds games back as a medium. Yeah, no, it does. It, it cuts off access. It cuts off access to... Um, it, it cuts off access and makes it mostly a thing for, like, able-bodied people that don't have care responsibilities from a higher yeah. socioeconomic background. It makes it for young men. It makes it for young it single makes it, men. It makes it largely for young men, yes, but I suppose we shouldn't... <laughs> I don't know, fucking... <laughs> child-free woman privilege i don't know but yeah. um but yeah. a lot of women did work on the game i think it's something that's been really cool is seeing yeah woman the, wrote like, it. It's, yeah it's been great the the, the the developers when they're talking about you know there's a guy who broke down the glass and how that works and how this one guy made the whistles for some of the enemies in the game they're all like every everything i've seen on social media they're all deeply proud of it whether people who are less proud of what they took to make it would say that on social media maybe they just yeah. won't come forward but you know, it's it's cool to see that they were able to do this thing that that they had the money to do this kind of ridiculous level of detail, I guess, and the backing. Yeah. Like that is cool. It's a real it's a real murky grey area that like as an industry it hasn't hasn't figured out yet. But I mean, granted, you know, every industry sucks when it comes to workers' rights. I mean, you know. But anyways, that's Last of Us Two. And yes, now we've we got... completely went off the timer there. Yep. I d- it was a, you spat in my face with the timer there. What what do we have another game to talk about? Can I talk about Pillars of Eternity for quickly? You 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 may. Yes, so I'm playing Pillars of Eternity at the minute. I am not finished it. This is um, a game by Obsidian, who made um, Fallout New Vegas, which was made um, via Kickstarter backers, actually. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. The The combat's really fucking fiddly, and I think it's more of the kind of... Um, partly due to the age of the game and partly due to the... Probably kind of the small production scope, the the it's it's like isometric top down it can be quite difficult to work out like where people are and who is fighting who and that is kind of pivotal for an isometric top down game to know where people are because it's almost like it's like bordering on like turn-based combat it's like very D D. the the combat's kind of clearly more inspired by D than most like fantasy rpgs that i've seen or like taking more cues from D. um i'm having fun i'm enjoying the story there are some elements to the story which are really, really great. Like, I think the there's this idea of, like, they have hollow-born children. The country that this is set in is being plagued by hollow-born children, which are these babies that are born, like, alive, but completely unresponsive to everything around them. And all they do is, like, blink and breathe, and that's it. And they have to be, like, hand-fed and bathed and, like, completely manually taken care of. And it's, like, ruining this country. And it's, and it's a great world-building touch. It, like, hangs over every everything it's really like grim and miserable and it's just it's 
it's such an interesting idea and it's really well explored in the game. It's grim, but it's not edgy. Yeah, it's grim, but it's not edgy exactly yeah. because it is it is quite like... <laughs> it, it, I felt like they've really thought really hard about how this would affect a country as well. However, this has one of the densest law-heavy scripts I have ever come across in a game to the point that it's actually, and I, I say this as somebody who quite likes law and will sit and read codex entries because it is not voluntary and because it is not tucked into a codex, it is fucking boring. And it also, I've never, I've never played a game and thought this needs a fiction editor, but this game needed a fiction editor on its script. Yeah. It needed somebody to go through and just be like, cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that adjective. That's too many adjectives. There are even some things where there's like some styling that's inconsistent. So like, the the duke of this country is called Avar Wolfgrin, and it couldn't decide whether or not it was capitalizing the G in Grin. Like sometimes it was capitalized and sometimes it wasn't. Which I feel like this is a very like fucking proofready publishing industry thing for me to pick on. But that like it, that like screams half finished to me. And these issues with the script have been coming up more and more the further you get into it. And it just in it basically it needed somebody who edits big fantasy books to go through and just be like cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> Got that. It doesn't surprise me when there's just the sheer amount of words that are in it. Yeah. Like I think um one of the kind of the problems with the lore is that every single bit of lore is presented to you as though it's as important as everything else. Yeah, exactly. Because it's all part of like main dialogue and it's not tucked into codex entries, mm. which is like having a codex in a game is like there so you can do world building for the people who are interested in it. But for everyone else the stuff should just kind of be dropped in and i really hate over explanatory world building anyway it's why i struggle quite a lot with like reading um sci-fi and fantasy because mm. i don't think enough i don't think enough editors are harsh enough with this stuff and i think more of it should be um like drip fed to you or put to one side so yeah it, it while I am really enjoying it and having loads of fun and I've clocked like 50 hours in it, I just, less text, less text. And if you're going to have that much text, at least let it be edited better and yeah. like stylized correctly and consistently. Um, yeah, so... But it's a cool game. It is a cool game. It's a cool little game and I would recommend that you play it and support it. It's a shame that the kind of the things that like... The, the, the less good things about it build up over time. Yeah. Oh, God, because it was funded by Kickstarter as well. There are loads of people who've just got their fucking, like, OCs in the game. So you could, like, you could basically pay for a tier on, a tier on Patreon or Kickstarter or whatever to, like, get a little character in the game. And then because the protagonist can, like zoom into people's souls and see their memories all of them come with this like little fucking paragraph of like sometimes way too much text of like amateur story writing about this person's original character and not only is it a little bit cringe at times if you actually stop and read these and um, it just really takes you out of it there's another thing where you can like find gravestones which will have like backers names or little messages from the backers and again for for something that's such a heavy duty immersive fantasy rpg for it to just occasionally be like dedicated going out to mr tibbs Remember that time we played beer pong? <laughs> Smoke Dog 420 coming at you blunts 24-7. Mr. Ass, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ass. <laughs> yeah. That, should... was a, that was a good mature laugh. A good, <laughs> a good artisanal joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, yeah, like five hours into that game, there should be a pop-up that just says like, hey, sorry to bother you. Do you want to turn this stuff off? Because we can just turn it off. 
Like we, we had it in there so you could get kind of a feel for it. But if you're not into it, whatever you want the immersive thing, go. And then you only have your Im- immersion broken like once, like properly, <laughs> with it breaking the fourth wall. But then after that, if you do, if you're not into it, you can just like put it to the side. Yeah, so that's what it- I would. At like. least the at least the original characters have the gold nameplate. So if you come across a strangely purple pixel man, you can just be like, "Oh, I'm going to avoid this like weirdly fancy NPC with a golden nameplate." Yeah. But with the um the mausoleum stuff, it comes up with like a little question mark, which is the sort of flavor text thing for everything else. So you can quite often just be walking past a gravestone or like a table and you'll get the question mark and you'll be like, oh, is this like a backer thing? Or a... And then you open it and there's fucking Smoke Dog 420. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke Dog 420 and the pimp crew are um, shouting out their $20 Patreon tier thing. Uh, yeah, but do do play it if you if you're into that sort of thing. I think if you like if if Dragon Age Origins is your favorite Dragon Age game, you'll probably really enjoy this. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, uh, less cool as in not cool cool at all um, is uh, the David Cage games, Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit Become Human. Do you want to talk about each of these for three minutes? Yeah, let's go. For and it. like, let's actually cut off at three minutes. This yeah, time. okay, let's go. For okay. It. Um. Heavy rain. Jason! 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 See, because we didn't record these episodes properly, you've now been deprived an hour of us just shouting Jason at each other. Jason? I- Jason! Jason! I can't Jason. see the name Jason without thinking it. Jason! It's just burned. Yeah, no, that's, that's all I can think of as well. Um, <laughs> heavy rain. It's kind of like seven, I guess. Oh, um, yeah, it's clearly like brought to you by the guys who saw seven. Yeah. Uh, Brought to you by the guys who saw Saw. It's got loads of weird choices. Your son gets kidnapped by the origami serial killer and you can do things like have an impassioned speech midway through the game about how much you need to save your son but like seconds later choose to bang a woman if you want to like yeah. it's got also the protagonist ugh. has these like blackouts and you're kind of like ooh maybe he's the origami killer and then halfway through the game it's just like yeah you're kind of like he hasn't had a blackout in a while. Are we ever going to yeah. mention these again? No. There's a major plot where they just delete the explanation for it as a deleted scene that's just like, yeah. it's just like not explained. No, you it's, never find out. It, it's just so it keeps, weird. It keeps waking up in the middle of the street with these little origami figurines and you're like, oh, this is going to come back into it. No. No, it doesn't. never comes back into it. No. You get to play um, a woman who is a journalist, but you, the character, that is, you, the character, you, the person that is playing her, don't know that she's a journalist, even though you've been playing as her and being able to hear her thoughts for mm. fucking stupid. Yeah. It- oh, there's also a bit where you can get her tortured and killed by mistake. And it's because you go into a house and this is this is only a thing that a man would write and think that this is a thing that somebody would feasibly do. <laughs> you playing this woman go into this creepy man's house and he's like, oh, God, "Do you yeah. want something to drink, young lady?" And you're like, "No." But then unless you unless you're an idiot, <laughs> yeah. uh, unless you haven't been brought up in uh, uh, under the constant threat of being kidnapped and sexually assaulted, in which case you're like, "Yeah, all right." And then you get kidnapped and sexually assaulted. Um so when we played it, George was like looking at me like uh, waiting for to see what I would do. And obviously he was like, "Do you want a drink?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> and then that was that. And then you told me that when your friend played it, he took the drink because yeah, he's an yeah, idiot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I thought like I was like, mm, "Should I take the drink?" Should I I know thought about five seconds like I'm, I'm gonna pass we'll see what happens if i pass i mean i think and you just like left the house it was like 
I'm out. I think I stayed for a while and you end up still getting in some kind of action scene. The film, the, the David Cage's approach to how characters behave is so beyond Uncanny Valley. It's it's just really strange. His, his female characters are the worst. Like, it's just like, isn't it like, she can't even like, they can't even like shower in a way that's not horny. Like, when I shower, I don't put both of my palms on the wall and go like, oh, I'm loving the spray. I'm having an amazing shower. I just stand there. Funny enough, I, I, I shower that way. <laughs> that David Cage has been making these games and been given more money and more budget and all this stuff. It's just real A mistake. wonky. Speaking of more money and more budget for David Cage games. We should probably also mention he has had like allegations of oh, workplace yeah, harassment, harassment and stuff. So yeah. he, he does also suck is it, when is not it, just being harsh on him. Is it sexual him. harassment or verbal abuse and stuff or a bit of both? I, I think it's like a bit of both. Right. I think it's like um, unpleasant working environment, especially unpleasant if you're a woman. Yeah. Not necessarily that he's like assaulted a woman, but like, you know, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily have a good time working for him, yeah. you know? So yeah, so he's a horrible guy and his games are shit and he's really pretentious. Um, and now re- reaching the, perhaps the brutal Nadir, the brutal Nadir of David Cage's career. Detroit. Become human. Twinkbot 3000. He's here to solve the crime. You can solve the crime as Twinkbot. You can have a very no homo relationship with Clancy Brown. It's the best thing about the game, and it's insane that they don't kiss at the end. Uh, <laughs> uh Detroit Detroit has some bad politics, like some real Detroit has some really bad politics. Let's just let's just let's just focus on because it's there's three characters. The best the best game the best bit of the game is playing as Twinkbot, Detective Twinkbot, and is um and his husband is is husband dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and that's really good. And I wish that that was the game. I just want to play a homoerotic game as a twink robot. That's the best bit of the game. It's got the least weird shit David Cage, moron politics in it. Um and that should be the focus of the game. And for some reason, it's not. Uh, completely inexplicable. Um, could have been really good if it was just a fucking robot detective game. Now let's move on to robot Martin Luther King. What <laughs> was he thinking? Who thought this was a good idea? Who thought it was a good idea to give you an option to play as a robot Martin Luther King and to be able to literally spray <laughs> graffiti that says, we have a dream? <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh god, I don't know. If, does it go as far as to say like robot lives matter? It maybe has stuff I, like that. It, that's it, the vibe, more though. or less. Yeah, it, it's very because um, it's trying to make this sort of metaphor between robot cyborgs and and apartheid and, and segregation and segregation. Yeah. yeah, and how they have like separate. They sit at the back of the bus. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think to try and handle that metaphor, you would have to do it with some real deafness and nuance. And wouldn't really fit but it's in the, like most video games. The structures. problem is with any any film, any anything that has a metaphor for racism cannot really take place in our world because our world already has racism. So yeah. in order to have a metaphor for racism, you have to pretend that racism doesn't exist when yeah, it yeah. does. <laughs> it's like it's like in fucking Bright, the Orc Cops film, where the Mexican guy's like, don't look at me, Mexicans still get shit for the Alamo. It's like, do they? Do they get shit for the Alamo? Does that, like... And then you've got the, the with the orcs and the racism and the orcs are coded black, but there are black people in the film, and it just yeah. doesn't. There doesn't the, seem to be human on human racism. Th- there's just, there's never uh, like a single line which is like, 
we're kind of treating the robots like we used to treat black people in the like you know back in back before civil rights and stuff and uh, that's um that's, that's a real weird choice you have to it's like a suspension of disbelief you have to pretend it's a timeline where humans weren't racist where, to each where, other like racism doesn't exist we've gone off time but we but we haven't talked spoken about the other sort of storyline which is you're playing as like a robot nanny you're playing as a robot nanny but oh a robot nanny in an abusive household and you're thinking would this game be tasteless enough to have a quick time event where you have to stop a child from being beaten yes yes it would it would be that tasteless for you to have a quick time event where you have to stop yourself and a child from being beaten up by a man it's the single most exploitative thing that i have ever played in a game wow and i would certainly say that if you personally have like a history of abuse um or um find that stuff particularly upsetting just don't play this game don't touch it with a 10-foot barge pole because i i found it really really upsetting um yeah if you're gonna try and handle that topic again you need deafness and not not a fucking quick time event (laughs) i I think it needs to be like that kind of topic the whole game would need to be about that and you'd have to quite clearly say like going in like this is it Instead, it's kind of like, a, oh, a surprise, this is her shtick yeah. for like this scene, and then it's gone. Wah, wah. You know, it's kind of like, it's not really trying to say anything about the nature of abuse or even how, if we had sort of like nanny no, cyborgs, how they could maybe you, have a handle in you know what? home violence. You know, but, what it, you, know. you know what it is saying about abuse, George? It's saying that if you mash the buttons quick enough, you can stop it. It's saying that, um, it's saying that if you don't intervene with abu- abuse, it means that you didn't try hard enough. Yeah, there, there is that vibe. Yeah. That there's, there shouldn't be like a fucking fail state on on whether you get abused or not. It was just, it's just really like for for all that Detroit Become Human is a dumb game with lots of silly stuff in it, and it is kind of fun. That is kind of reprehensible. In fact, oh, I would yeah. almost go to say that entire sort of uh, sub storyline is reprehensible and worth avoiding for that alone. Maybe just watch a YouTube cut of all the dumb uh, robot detective stuff if that sounded fun to you. I think as well, in terms of the suspension of disbelief, if you had like a cyborg nanny or robot in your in your home and that, um, and it witnessed a crime by what you know the police state sees it to be yeah that the robot would be recording it would automatically call the cops like in our current the way technology is headed it's about you being witnessed yeah 24 i don't want to get all like fucking george no no, 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 no i think that's but, a really good point george i think that's a really but, really good point but like the idea that you would have these robots witnessing crimes that the like any robot that witnessed say uh, a black young man dealing drugs would like if that robot was made today it would probably be like built with this capacity to call the cops to to be a snitch it would probably just automatically like if it sees something illegal happen or something like that yeah Yeah, you know yeah completely right i think that would have been a much more interesting way to go with it but um yeah but that but that would break the story they were going for so it's just not this is this is probably just a just a kind of structural comment so with the with these kind of like choice-based games you know that ultimately there's always going to be a point where these choices kind of convene back at the same point. Um, there's never really going to be anything drastically, like, drastically, drastically different that happens because you've made one or two choices in the game. Maybe there'll be, like, one or two things that are rather different, but ultimately there's always going to be this point where it convenes back um, into this kind of, like, branching storyline thing. So David Cage is... Um, 
arrogant enough about his branching storyline that he makes no attempt to hide the seams and in fact displays the seams of his story brazenly as a load screen where you can basically see all of these like blank squares and all the kind of like lines and trees of like where it's going to convene back together so you can almost look at it and be like oh yeah so regardless of whether so oh yeah so this was pointless that I made this decision this decision was (laughs) completely useless there was no point in me doing that um, and yeah, I just, I find it really brazen. I find it really arrogant and I find it to just be like a massive display that he just doesn't understand the mechanics of the illusion of choice yeah. because he can't even give you like the illusion of choice. He's like, look at all the choices. Here they are. It's very immersion breaking. It's not like in a telltale kind of game where when you reach the end of one of the episodes, you, where you see, oh, here's what other people did in your position. Because when you yeah. reach the end of an episode, your emotion, your immersion is broken because you're like the game. The game says, like, okay, we're done yeah. for now. Wait, and play also, the next episode. Th- that is interesting because it's interesting to see what other people have done. Yeah. This is just very like, here's what you could have seen, or here, look at all uh, of the other choices that you could have had here. That all come back to the same point, therefore declaring themselves pointless. But yeah, that's um, that's everything isn't it that's 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 everything squandered potentially that we've done so we what we haven't done an episode since february we'll hopefully have this one out in july and then we'll hopefully have another one out in like january 2021 yeah that's the, <laughs> that's the aim we it'd be really bad if we fucked up that kind of schedule wouldn't it huh well once, once every once, six months yeah, yeah. We, we want to do these more often but like i mean hey the pandemic it is sucked yeah we'll be back throwing us off we'll be back in like in like four episodes time it'll be 2022 and we'll be like oh yeah we're just back from our honeymoon and then we'll get like what? seven episodes in the future and we'll be like yeah it's been really awkward since we had the baby we just don't have any time to get back to recording <laughs> I think there's never been a greater advert to not have children than this pandemic oh, Do you no, imagine no, having a toddler right. and nah, dealing with it nah oh you've got a full time job oh and your partner's got a full time job oh and your kids like needing schooling and they can't just like not be schooled for this yeah well there's that there's that like report that's come out today where they're like expecting the birth rate to crash and it's like hi after this but (laughs) you know oh yeah but that was actually good news about the birth rate bad in some ways but we're going off topic good for the environment I guess it is the main reason we are the virus (laughs) the main reason behind it was that women now have greater choice over when they have children and how many children they have Good. So it's like it's like a positive thing. I mean, we are going to have to completely reorganize the fabric of society, but and also there'll be um, there'll be a massive reliance on migration. Yep. In the future, so I mean, hey, in fifty years' time, maybe we'll be voting to rejoin the EU because we'll need young workers. I think we'll be voting to rejoin the EU sooner than fifty years' time. I think it'll be as soon as all the boomers are dead. We'll be like. <laughs> Make it sound like you're going to individually go around with a shotgun, just, you know. Yeah, that's that's my version of the hunt. It's going to be um, Remainers uh, hunting leavers. (laughs) That would be what the British remake of the hunt was. Well, well, we've hit woke bingo, haven't we? We've gone sort of anti-boomer tirade, Brexit chats, um, gender politics. Um god yeah well you know it's, it's been fun talking to you I don't, I don't get to do it this much you know yeah no it's not like we spent every waking moment together for the last five months so that's been it's been good like to, to <laughs> george has put his head in his hands um um i know that you probably all bought my book but you bought my book yet you when, bought my fucking book yet when we're not fucking off just yet eliza what there's the most important bit what if you want to reach us oh my god yeah you should email 
don'tgetitpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we're at you don't get it pod. And um, I'm at Fancy Eliza. I'm at Goth Tutorials. You are. Um, okay, that's it. We're done. We're done. We're done. But we'll be back. We, we will be back, allegedly, maybe. <laughs> I don't want to make any promises. I'm trying not to um, let anybody Oh, down. you know what we should do for the next episode? What? We should do this book. It's about this woman. She's like a photographer and shit. And uh... she, like, oh, it's like some sort of like arty, like bollocks thing. We can't talk about my own book as squandered potential. We could talk about that novella that I wrote. We could hunt down the one person that's given you a one-star Goodreads review and have them do the podcast. We could call them in. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, sorry for invoking Goodreads. Whoever you are, (laughs) I will find you. (laughs) And you will feel the full wrath. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. See you later. Bye-bye.